The following is a message of First Baptist Richardson. For more information, please visit fbcr.org. Well, thank you, choir and orchestra, for a great song to start worship with. And and I, I just want to say thank you to this church for having a Christmas program uh, this afternoon and tonight. I, our church doesn't do a Christmas program anymore, and uh, Sandy and I were excited to be here and be a part of doing this, and she got called out to a, a grandmother experience this weekend, uh, a number six grandchild birthday party. So she's in Houston, all right? If I look a little lonely and underfed, that's why, okay? And uh, But I'm just grateful uh, to, to put the Christmas music in our hearts. I I hate to bring up this image, but last Thanksgiving day after we eat, what do we always do? Watch the cowboy game. And there is Dolly Parton singing Jolene, Jolene. And I was so glad to get to church on Sunday and get another song in my mind, okay? Uh, I don't even know that song, but I couldn't uh, help but miss it. But that's the whole purpose of this. Uh, isn't just so you'll say, hey, great choir, great orchestra, great sound folks but to put the message of Christmas into your soul, into your being. And that's the purpose of these Christmas programs. And I, I just thank you uh, uh, for your church being willing to do what it takes, choir orchestra, for you giving us a gift this Christmas. Thank you for that, yes. As a preacher during the Christmas season, when I was a pastor and worked for a living, uh, I always loved at this time of the year, I didn't work much, but I worked some, okay? I always loved this time of the year to just immerse myself uh, in the Christmas story and to read out of Luke 2 and Matthew 1 and to go through the prophecies and to see it all come together and out of that see what God is saying to us. Well, this year it's it's been something special to me because it's been in conjunction uh, with a book that I'm very intrigued by. It was written by two great theologians, God's Relational Presence. A guy by the name of Scott Duvall and Daniel Hayes wrote this book. And the thesis of the book is very simple, that you can sum up the entire message of the Bible in one statement. And that is that God desires a relationship with you and me and wants to walk with us through life. That you just take all the Hezekiahs and all the books of the Bible and names we can't pronounce and stories that we uh, try and remember, that the whole theme of that is God Himself saying to you and to me, I want a relationship with you. Not only do I want a relationship with you, I want you to know what it is for me to walk with you through life. Well, there's no place in the Bible that that is more personified than in our text this morning out of the Christmas story. It's out of the book of Matthew, chapter number 1. Matthew, chapter number 1. Here's what he says. Now, the birth of Jesus took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and has said, Joseph, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Verse 21, she will bear a son and you will call his name 
Jesus, for He will save the people from their sin. All this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call His name, what? Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Now, I don't know if you've thought through that whole idea of Christmas, that the creator of the universe, the one who scatters the stars in place, the one who speaks and the creation happens, the one who knows our thoughts before we think them, the one who knows the end from the beginning, the one who even knows the hairs or lack of hairs upon our head, that God, that God desired to have a relationship with us and wanted so much to walk with us through life, that what did He do? He became flesh. He became flesh and dwelt among us. Have you just thought of how amazing that is? That this God of the universe wants a relationship with you and me. That this God of the universe desires to walk through life with us. But as you begin to look through the Scripture, as I've read this theological book with all of its underpinnings, I began to read the Scripture different, to try and find what God is saying to me about His presence with me, His desire to be with me. And I realized that in reality, that this whole process started all the way back in the book of Genesis. In Genesis chapter number 3, after God has created this universe and formed man and woman and put them in a perfect environment in which they were right with God and right with one another and right with the world around them. And it says in that third chapter that God would walk with them in the cool of the garden. God would be with them. That God so desired a relationship with them that He would actually come and visit them and walk with them. And God walked with Adam and Eve, and, and the perfection of that moment was unbelievable. And yet we understand, as we read through the Scripture, that not only does God want a relationship with us, But there's someone who's always going to oppose that. There's always going to be someone who tries to tell us it is something different. It's the evil one. The Bible calls him the devil and Satan and deceiver. And what did he do? It tells us in that third chapter that he came as a snake. A snake slithering along however he made his moment to that place. And he began to tempt them. But how did he tempt them? Did he tempt them with worldly wealth? Did he tempt them with perfect health? No, he tempted them by saying, you should doubt God. You should doubt that God loves you, wants a relationship with you. And this God that you call a God of love is withholding something from you. And yet, to be candid with you, that's exactly what he's done for the hundreds of years since then. It's been his desire to oppose that relationship with God By making us doubt God, doubt His existence, doubt His power. But do you know one thing He's wanted to doubt and cause us to doubt? He's caused us to want to doubt that relationship that God wants with us. Somehow God holds us at arm's length and God does not want a relationship with us. And what did Adam and Eve do? They succumbed to that temptation. And what was the beginning breaking point? It wasn't just they were cast out of the garden. They were cast away from God's presence. No longer did they know what it was for God to walk with them in the cool of the garden and walk with them through life. That's Satan's whole desire for you and me. He wants you and I to doubt that God wants a relationship with us. He wants us to doubt God wants to walk through life with us. But 
what did God do? We began to read through the scripture that God started a process, had a plan. And yes, there's all kinds of nuances to that plan of the nation Israel and all of that. But that plan was to do one thing, to restore that relationship between fallen man and a holy God. That that whole process by which he would form a nation and give them a land and form a people and and out of those people bring a Messiah. All of that history we read about in the Old Testament was God wanting to do one thing. Say to you and me, I want a relationship with you. I not only want a relationship with you, I want to walk with you through life. And so certainly he went and got Abraham from the Ur of the Chaldees and, and gave him wife Sarah and brought them to a land that we know today as modern day Israel. And by the way, I think he specifically chose that land that is something God promised to Israel. And why did he choose that land? He could have done it in Africa or he could have done it in Europe, he could have done it in Asia, any place he wanted to do it. But if you look at the, just the geography of why he chose that spot, because that spot was a land bridge to all the cultures of the world. All the cultures of the world took their economics through that little land bridge called Israel. And that little spot in life that they're still fighting over was the place God chose. Why? Because He not only wanted Israel to know He wanted a relationship with us, He wanted the whole world to know that this God of the universe desires a relationship with you and me. And he wants to walk with us through life. And, and, he, and he did all of that to fulfill that purpose, to fill, fill what God's plan was for you and me. And today, even when we look at that land that's still being fought over, it is a place, it is a plan, it is a purpose, it is a prophecy that is built around one thing. God's entering into creation to do one thing. Have a relationship with you and me. Walk with me, you and me, through life. But one of the things we discover is started back in Genesis 3 is the devil has always hated what God loves. Someone asked me oftentimes what's going on in Israel. I said, you're seeing the battle between good and evil. You're seeing a nation that God loved, a nation God used to bring forth a Messiah, a nation that's still upon the heart of God to come to faith in Jesus Christ. And the one thing you can know is Satan hates that. And what you see today in anti-Semitism around our world is not just something about a race. It is a battle between God and evil. Between the fact that everything God loves, Satan hates. And he will always seek to try and destroy it. He'll always try and seek to destroy this relationship. And everything we see going on in these battles in humanity all over the world It is Satan trying to convince the world that God doesn't love you. God somewhere else or there isn't a God. What does God say? No, I want you to know one thing. I want you to know I desire a relationship with you. And I want you to know not only do I desire a relationship with you, I'm going to walk with you through life and help you understand that. That's why the Christmas story is in the center of humanity. It is the story of the central aspect of all of history. In fact, history is actually his story. And it begins in the Old Testament with God making prophecies about this event of him coming to this earth. It's amazing, as Andy talked earlier and read that verse out of Micah, the prediction that the child would be born in where? Bethlehem. 
not talking about one of the population centers of the world where there's thousands. We're talking about a little hamlet, a little village. And there in an obscure place to an obscure young lady that had never known a man, God enters into this earth and a child is born. Not only is a child born, but, but Satan immediately tries to destroy that. The scriptures tell us in the prophecies of scripture that there'll come a time when the birth of that child will happen, that Satan will oppose it, the world will oppose it. And what did Herod do? Killed every baby under the age of two years old. What's going on here? It is Satan himself trying to destroy the concept, the idea, God's plan to do one thing. Have a relationship with you and me. Walk with you and me through life. And yet, what do we find in all those prophecies that it would be to a virgin? It would be in Bethlehem. And, and right after that, there would be thousands that would be killed, babies killed. And, and then they'd be off to Egypt. And why would it say Jesus came out of Egypt? It's because his family fled there. In fact, last week, uh, our pastor, Jason Paredes, just took those four prophecies. And he took the statistics of how incredible it would be if those four prophecies made hundreds of years earlier had been fulfilled in that one moment in that baby's bedroom there in Bethlehem, the, the whole idea of it happening is so almost impossible. Do you know how impossible that is? Do you know how impossible it is that, that Jesus would be born of a virgin in a hamlet called Bethlehem and there the babies would be killed in a historical experience and they would flee to Egypt and come back? They said, uh, statistic folks have taken the probability of those four things happening right there in that moment, in that event. And they said, to show you how impossible it would be, he said it would be like taking one quarter, painting this quarter red, and then across the state of Texas, pile up quarters three feet deep. And then one of us taking this one red quarter, taking it out somewhere here in Texas and, and putting it there in that bunch. And then what they do is they would blindfold someone, parachute them into Texas, and they would get a choice of one quarter. The probability of them picking out that one quarter is the same probability of all four of those prophecies being fulfilled in Jesus. It seems impossible. It seems impossible that it would happen that way. Do you know what makes it possible? is that the God of the universe, the creator of the world, says to you and me, I want a relationship with you. I desire to walk with life through with you. I desire a relationship with you. I so desire a relationship with you that I am going to leave heaven, come to this earth, become flesh, become Emmanuel, and I'm going to walk with you and you're going to behold me. In fact, it says that in the Gospel of John very clearly. It says, listen, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was God and the Word was with God. He was in the beginning with God. Verse 14 says, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And look at what it says. And we have seen His glory. Glory as only the Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Bible says to us, God was willing to leave heaven, come to this earth, starting with a babe in a manger, and all the miracles that would happen to pull that together in prophecy. He did that for one purpose. One purpose. He wants a relationship with you and me. 
And He desires to walk with us through life. It describes it even better in the book of Philippians where it says it this way. Have this mind in yourselves that was in Christ Jesus, who was in the form with God, did not count equality with God something to be grasped, but He emptied Himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man, being found in human form. He humbled Himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. When it says to us, Jesus emptied Himself of heaven's glory, emptied Himself of all that you would have in heaven's position, took on the form of a man, a servant, a person, took on flesh, the limitations of flesh, flesh that was something that he experienced in pain and agony and all kinds of experiences. Why in the world would God do that? He did it for one reason. It's because He desires a relationship with you and me. And He wants to do something that sounds incredibly miraculous to me. He wants to walk with you and me through life. What's amazing about it is just as God is consistent in His message, the evil one has always been consistent in His purpose. He's, the Bible says, is a devourer. He comes to kill and to steal and destroy. He comes to bring doubt to you and me. He comes to keep that separation between us and God permanent. He desires us to believe that we're on our own that we have to make it on our own, that we have to earn our way into a relationship with God. And it's not a gift. It is something we achieve rather than something God gives to us. And so what did he do from the very beginning? <laughs> he opposed the life of this child. The beginning point was the murder of all the babies around Bethlehem. But you look through his life, you read through the Gospels, and not only do you see the miracles, not only do you see the teaching, but you see the opposition. The fact that he was lied about, the fact that people misused what he said, that people were constantly trying to get him in the wrong spot, that people constantly uh, uh, played upon the grace that he would give and take advantage of him. Who was behind all that? It's not a nation. It's not a government. It's not a religion. It is Satan himself. Because the one thing Satan wants to do is to make you and me think God doesn't want a relationship with us. Make us believe that we're on our own. That it isn't Jesus Emmanuel. That it's us by ourselves. And yet the Bible again and again and again shows us on the pages of Scripture that God has one desire. A relationship with you and me. And He wants to walk with us. And He will move heaven and earth. He will take prophecies and make them be fulfilled. He'll move a little family from Nazareth to Bethlehem for a birth so that that child would be shown to come of the lineage of David. He would move them to Egypt and they would come back from Egypt. He would help them survive the murder of all those children. God was moving everything for one purpose. Those of us whose name He knows that He had to have a relationship with us. Not only would He have a relationship with us, that He would walk with you and me through life. But again, Satan opposes that. And so we have right here in the middle of the Gospels, right here in the middle of this salvation-giving life, right here in the middle of a man by the name of Jesus who did no wrong, who did nothing but bring good. The evil one designed something that would destroy it completely. 
he would put Jesus on a cross and there kill the Son of God. They're hopefully destroying God's purpose of a relationship with you and me. To say to you and me, I can overcome him. I can overcome anything. And so the evil one designs a cross, the cruelest punishment that you can have. The, the, the most demeaning experience of life in the Roman world was to die on a cross, such shame, such agony. He designed that for one reason. He didn't want us to have a relationship with God. And he wanted us to believe that we're on our own rather than God walking with us through life. And oh, I can imagine in the darkness of that moment, there on the cross, when, when the heavens just exploded in thunder and lightning, all that happened, and Jesus breathed His last breath. All the demons of hell, Satan himself says, I've won. I don't know about you, I, I can't imagine what the angels felt in those three days Jesus was in the tomb. Could they themselves have doubted God's ability to carry out this plan? Because the apostles scattered, the, the followers left, people were hid out. Everyone was saying, what in the world did we believe? But what did God do? <laughs> Three days later, He removed the stone from that tomb. And He brought His Son Jesus to life. And He did that for one reason. He wants a relationship with you and me. He desires to walk with us through life. And He orchestrated this entire Christmas story and all that we see in the Word of God to say to you and me, I want a relationship with you. I want to walk with you through life. Whatever you're facing, whatever you're experiencing, I don't want you to be alone. I want you to know that I want to dwell with you and walk with you, live within you. I want you to know that even though I'm a holy God and you're a sinful man, because of my son Jesus, we can have a relationship. And all the sin that you've ever committed, my son died for. Why? So I could restore this broken relationship. Sinful man could know what it is to be forgiven. Humanity could once again walk with God in the coolness of the garden, in a relationship with Him. And all that we see in the Christmas story, all that we see embodied in just these few short verses in Matthew, in the names of God that He gave to His Son, Jesus, who is the Savior of mankind, Emmanuel, who is God with us. God wanted to unite those together in an opportunity for you and me to have a relationship with the Holy God. Because Jesus not only took on flesh, He took on your sin and mine. And there on the ugliness and the darkness of that cross, everything I ever did wrong, everything you ever did wrong, was placed upon Him. He became the Savior of the world. And He, in becoming flesh, is God declaring a statement to you and me right now. I want a relationship with you. Not only do I want a relationship with you, I want to walk with you through life. You know, when you use the word walk with someone, 
It's not about getting your 10,000 steps on your, your iPhone. It's, it's not about getting your exercise so you'll be more healthy. The word walk, when it's described in Scripture, is used out of that verse in Deuteronomy when it says you want to teach your children. Teach them as you walk with them along the way. Put them on the doorpost and put them on your frontals. But more than anything, invest in them as you walk with them through life. And, and you think about that Jewish man with his child there walking along through life. And that Jewish man taking those moments. That Jewish mother taking those opportunities to teach that child about a relationship with God. They were walking together along the way. Well, guess what today? This same God who brought all of those prophecies together, who made it all happen in a unique moment, in a unique place, in a unique time, He did every bit of that so you and I could have a relationship with Him and walk with Him through life. You say, well, Gary, you don't know where I've been. You, you, you don't know the things about my life that keep me separated from God. All I know is the Bible describes it by sin, and the Bible says to us that sin went on Jesus. So it means any person, anywhere, anytime, any place can have a relationship with God because that sin went upon Christ. There He paid the punishment for it. And the Bible says by the blood of Jesus we are cleansed of all unrighteousness. That moment, God takes people like you and me and says to you and me, I want a relationship with you. I want to walk with you through life. And I can do that because of one thing. What Jesus did when He took on flesh, died on the cross, and rose again. You say, well, Gary, how do I connect with that? Does it mean I give money to the church? Does it mean I join this certain religion? Does it mean I do these certain groups of works? Well, there's a Scripture verse that describes it well in the Gospel of John. It says, you know something? He, but to all who did receive Him, who believed in His name, He gave them the right to become the children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, but born not of the will of man, but born of God. Three verbs in that little verse. First one is the word believe. We've got to believe this is true. We've got to believe those prophecies. Nailed it. Not only do we have to believe it, we have to receive it. You see, even the devil knows it's true. It means that we have to open our hearts, acknowledge our sin, acknowledge our need of a Savior, to say, oh God, we need Emmanuel, and receive it into our life. But guess what happens at that moment? The Bible says we become a child of God. And God's greatest desire for you and me is fulfilled. He has a relationship with us. And now He begins to walk with us through life. That's what it means to receive Jesus. That's what it means to become a child of God, to be born into the family of God. All of that happens the moment we believe and receive and we become God's child. Let me maybe picture it this way as I conclude. During Christmas time, it's always a great family time, and our family is becoming much more complicated, all right? My granddaughters actually had the audacity to marry. And uh, those families think they deserve some of their time. Okay? And so holidays have become quite a mess at our, fa our family bill. 
because those families are expecting some things. So you know what we did this year? We basically threw away Thanksgiving. We had some Thanksgiving with some other family, and because of some experiences and stuff, I, I didn't get 10% of my family for Thanksgiving, okay? I was a little mad about that, but I got over it, all right? But guess what I am getting? On Christmas Eve, we're getting the whole group. It's going to be down in Houston at my daughter's house. Those of us in Arlington will travel down, and those in Sherman will travel down, and the one in Fayetteville, the holy city, will move down that direction, okay? <laughs> move down that direction towards Houston. And that evening, my two kids, my son-in-law, daughter-in-law, my uh, five granddaughters and my two grandsons, will gather and have our family celebration. And yeah, the, my, my wife had to go early. Uh, she went down there to do several things, go to a birthday party, but also help my daughter with some things, but also to take the presents that we brought them. And by the way, I, I, I'm looking for a Starbucks job because we spent so much on Christmas, all right? Something, a barista, whatever. But we'll gather together that evening and we'll read the Christmas story and give away the presents. And you say, Gary, what are you going to get? I don't care. Well, I would like everything to say Texas Rangers on it, but I still don't care, all right? I'll sit there in that living room and look around. Thank God for my family, for the joy of being in that family experience. And there's nothing like those relationships. Well, guess what? God's got something even better than that. He wants a relationship with you. He wants to draw you into His family. And oh, the gifts you may give Him may mean something. But the primary thing about God I can say to you, He desires a relationship with you. And He wants to walk with you through life. And He's just waiting on you to be willing to believe and open your heart and receive the work of Jesus into your life. And at that moment, you become a child of God. And there's nothing in all the world that pleases God more than that relationship He can have with you. And He has moved heaven and earth over the past few thousand years to establish the plan by which you come into that relationship. And so you come to church today and we're going to have music songs all about the manger scene and all of those things. But please remember, Christmas isn't about the gifts and the food and even the family. It's a reminder to you and me that God became flesh, dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory Glorious from the only Father. And it says to you and me, I want a relationship with you. If you'll open my, your heart, we'll have a family time. If you'll receive it, it'll change not only your life now, it'll change your eternity. Bow your head, please, with me for just a moment, would you?
Could I simply ask you today, do you have a relationship with God? I'm not talking about what you believe about God. Do you have a relationship where He walks with you through life? And you know you can trust Him. Following His will, you believe, is the best you can do. Please know today, God desires that relationship. And today He says to you, would you receive me into your life? And just as I did with Adam and Eve in the garden, I will walk with you through life and into eternity. You'll just open your heart and receive me into your life. Oh, if you've done that, this Christmas season should be a time of celebration, even if you don't have family left. You won't get those moments with them. You'll get them with your Heavenly Father because of your relationship with Him. But if you don't have that relationship, why would you leave this room today without settling that? Why would you dismiss the greatest opportunity for life you could ever have, and that's in a relationship with God and Him walking with you through life? With every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking, if you're here today, and you would say, Gary, I, I, I need that relationship. I need to receive Jesus into my life. I need to become part of the family of God. No one looking, just lift your hand. I want to pray for you. Just lift your hand around this room and say, I want that. I want that. I need that in my life. Just lift your hand and God will stand and knock at your heart's door. If you'll open that door, He'll come in with you. Fellowship with you. Walk with you. If you'll just simply say, Lord, I believe. I receive you into my life. I surrender my life to you. So that your glory can be lived out through me. Father, take these moments of invitation. Father, let them be more than just a song that's sung. But God, if there's anyone in this room that needs the life-changing experience with Jesus, I pray it'll happen today. For your glory, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.